0: Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies,
1: a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey
0: and I'm Ferg Curtis and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies.
1: You may have noticed it's slightly unusual in that I'm beginning this podcast today. I was about to say ceremony, this podcast, and it is a whole new world. I'm strangely on edge, actually, Mm. even just doing that, Ferg. This is so unfamiliar to me.
0: But I'll call it out as well. We did start before this. (laughs) And um, this this was completely my fault. But we started and we were in the flow and just... Something within me was like, "Oh, I'm just not comfortable, and I just need to stop." And I'm used to doing that. <laughs> I'm used to going, "Oh, let's just stop and we will start again," because we'd only started and we've
1: never done that before. We've never yeah. done that
0: before, so I think I just threw you. I this just is my first take too. Yeah, I just wasn't my. It's one of those things when if something niggles at me, I'm like, it'll go away. And then when it doesn't go away after like a certain amount of time, I was like, no, I just have to stop. But then it's hard to jump back in. And we had a lovely conversation yeah. at the start.
1: But you are right on topic because I firmly believe that when you have that niggle or that gut feeling, you have to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens in a ceremony sometimes. And, and really very often what it is, is that when we've gone slightly off... The truth of what we want to say not saying that you were saying anything that was not a truth but but when when what we're saying isn't aligned with what we intend to say it really throws us and if we stay in the energy of I'm a bit thrown Mm -hmm. we remain thrown so bringing it back on topic
0: it was basically because I'm sure people are like ooh what were they saying (laughs) Um, and it wasn't that interesting at all but I basically just um, was giving Sharing some feedback that I'd gotten about the podcast, which was really positive. But I used the person's name and I just don't know if they'd be comfortable yeah. with their name. Yeah. And I, it was just niggling with me. And I just said, do you know what? Let's start again because I just don't know. And they might have been totally yeah. fine with it. They probably would have. But when something niggles at me like that, I try to trust it.
1: And I'm going to name as well on this because this is actually very similar to what we do on training. Because I'm conscious now that people listening to this out for their walk or whatever they're doing are thinking... What was the feedback? So mm. we don't want to leave anybody holding a wonder about what it was. So do you want to share the feedback without the person's name?
0: Oh my God. Or just can an indi-
1: indication. Well, I can remind you if you want. Yes, please. Um, you were pretty much saying, so we were talking um, about, how, about this podcast and how feedback from people listening is so helpful because it yes. helps us stay on track. And also because we were wondering, we weren't sure, we weren't sure people who are not in the world of ceremony and celebrants I remember. Yeah, how they may or may not um, yeah. hear this or enjoy it. Or Basically,
0: it? the feedback was it wasn't based off listening to the episode. It was based off um, watching the reels that we've been putting up. And this person wouldn't necessarily be in the ceremony world. And they wouldn't be looking at having a ceremony. Um, and they basically were like, I love hearing about something I don't really know much about. And I love that you've created this space and um, are speaking about something that is about everyone at some point in their life but it's not about this particular person's, um, it's not anything happening in their life but they were like I just love hearing that and what we were saying was this isn't just for entheous celebrants, it's not just for celebrants in general it's not for couples or families who are in the thick of organising or being in ceremony this is for everyone and you said something lovely which was like goes we talk about life. Yeah. And I love that because and death. And, <laughs> death. and um I love that because that's what ceremony is about. But that's it's so nice to see where this podcast is going and that hopefully it will align with what Entheus is about. And this podcast is for yeah. everyone and anyone to come and listen and hopefully yeah, like we do want to stay anchored in it being ceremony and celebrant because that's what we're all about. Um, but I always hope that someone can tune into something they don't really know about and go, "I really like that. I got something for myself there." Yeah. So that's kind of what we were saying about yep. the feedback. But you were also saying there's been great feedback and also some critical feedback in a po- in critical feedback in a positive way. Yeah, in a helpful way. In a helpful yeah, in a constructive way. way. Constructive way. Yeah. Yeah, so and we were just kind of saying that these five first five episodes have just really flown.: Yes. Um,
1: yeah, can't believe. And, and we, as two people who are so busy in the world doing so such different things, the two of us have managed every Wednesday to keep it safe yeah. and to be in here and to spend a bit of time together to but to focus on our podcast, um, I hear the bells of the cathedral ringing in the background. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, to keep our Wednesdays together.
0: It's yeah, been such it's a nice. lovely
1: rhythm in the week to, to have this. It's an anchoring in an the anchor, middle of the yeah. week.
0: Yeah. And I love coming to the mic because I genuinely, I do just get really comfortable and I don't know what it is. But once I'm on the mic, even if I'm like, ooh, where are we going? What are we talking about? I do always leave the recording going, ah, so it is a yeah. real anchoring. Um. So thanks, Karen. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Ferg. Will we introduce what this episode's all about? Yes people probably know because we'll have written it on the title <laughs> but we thought about uh, exploring today what makes an entheous celebrant and it came from a comment that we discussed in one of the earlier episodes and that was when i asked you you said when i see you in your cabaret if you weren't already a celebrant, I'd ask you to consider being a celebrant. And I was like, I don't get that. I see them as such separate spaces. And we kind of chatted a little bit about that, which was nice. And it just opened my mind up to being like, what makes a celebrant? What do you look for? Not that you're looking for celebrants, because I know you're yeah. not like on the hunt for yeah, celebrants. Yeah, it's not like head but hunting. <laughs> what do you see when you're like, that person would be a beautiful celebrant? Um, or they would really offer something gorgeous in this space. So I suppose that's a good place to start is what do you see in people? Because equally we have a group of celebrants that are all so different and offer something Every single person offers something different. Some people have similarities. Mm-hmm. Some people do things a little bit the same. Some people don't agree with how we do it, and that's what's yeah. great about this group. There's difference. There's similarities. Uh, we can bounce ideas. But that made me think. Then what? What does Karen uh, see in people to go? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: This could as, be for as you, you. asked that question, I have. I'm going. Oh. I don't, this, I'm always very wary of, a, Of. Um, I'm going to just say it again, but a, a guru energy of something, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who sees something in somebody and that makes them special. I'm yeah, going to just true. name that before we go in because we don't want to slip into I'm choosing people for the organization because that's really not how it works. Actually, really how it works is that we don't really advertise or put ourselves out there as seeking people but people tend to just come towards us when they
0: they arrive organically yes whether that's through meeting you whether that's through meeting another member or seeing somebody hold a ceremony exactly and they yeah people are organically you know they kind of come I like the idea of like they organically arrive yeah at this space when it's right for them to maybe explore the idea and that doesn't necessarily mean they go on with the training but anyone who arrives here has an opportunity to engage with entheus and figure yeah, out if curiosity path, tends to bring yeah. people towards
1: us and also a curiosity and a resonance when they see our website or delve a bit deeper and go, oh, this actually sounds like something that I've been looking for. And I didn't mm. know it existed or I didn't know where to find it. And that's because it didn't exist. We're such a, we're such a young organization in terms of how long yeah. we've been, the organization has been in, in existence. We have people of all, of all ages <clears throat> Um. But even just me as a person, say, having worked in the world of celebrancy and ceremony and, and haven't been interested in it since I can remember, um, building May altars and, you know, small little things like that in the garden. Um, I think one of the things that I am drawn to when I imagine, when I meet a person and think, oh, I think that person will be a really great celebrant. And it's very often, maybe not necessarily with this organisation, but just a person who may be a great celebrant within whatever it is that they practice. Um, it ties back to earlier on when you mentioned quoting me back saying that we talk about life. And I think what draws people towards this podcast, if they're listening, is um, we talk about life, but actually we talk about life through the lens of the transpersonal. And sometimes we're using language that is unfamiliar to people. So I'm aware that that might be unfamiliar language. So to me, the transpersonal is that which is something more. Okay. Or that which is slightly outside of everyday reality. So we're all living in our everyday reality. And sometimes it can be a real relief to look at life through the lens of, this is really special. Even, even though this is so mundane, there's beauty in the mundanity of life, or there's beauty in, in what we're doing. So when, in term, say, when I saw you on stage for the Curtis Cabaret, what I saw there was the transpersonal. So it was more than you standing on a stage singing to an audience. Because anybody that can sing can do that. You know, anybody can stand on a stage and sing. There was something transpersonal about it where you were engaging with the people in that room at a level that was more than just three-dimensional or whatever, or just what was seen um, and felt or heard or you know, sensed in the room. Um, and that's a real gift. And it's a gift that we can all cultivate. Some people have it more upfront than others. um, And some people feel it within themselves and long to cultivate it. Um,
0: And what's interesting, I love that point because I do think anyone can bring that forward. And I always consider it when you're aligned with your path and with who you are and you're making the right decisions for yourself. I feel that comes forward. Then people feel that. What's the word? the transpersonal transpersonal i love that Mm. um yeah i think it's that thing of when you feel aligned within yourself that kind of comes forward like when you stand
1: on a mountaintop and you feel that energy of the world or you feel something Mm -hmm. that connects you to something more than just when you feel how tiny and insignificant we are in the world is another part of it you know when you feel just that that sense of all of the busyness that we bring to our lives is actually so meaningless, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. <clears throat> um so actually that was quite a big and meandering answer to the question you asked. But I it's a big question that you asked really. Yeah, as well. I didn't
0: expect that answer to be honest. <laughs> I didn't I couldn't anticipate what you were gonna say. Yeah. yeah. But actually, now that you've said that, I'm like, that makes so much sense because I'm so aware of how anyone can arrive at this space and like matching yourself or not or couples finding you and knowing that you are the person for them or knowing you're not the person for them and then going to someone else and being like, ah yes, this is the person for me. Like and knowing that like there's so many different couples, there's so many different families. So I'm always a believer that yes, even someone asked me recently, because I come from a performance background, they're like, Do you think you need to be a performer Mm. to be a celebrant? And I was like, Absolutely not. It can I be a detriment, like, I think sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I think it does help me in a lot of areas, but I don't, I never feel like I'm performing when I'm doing a ceremony. Yeah. I feel like I can use some of the skills that I've learned that are just kind of ingrained in me, but they feel so different. Whereas some people are like, oh, well, I'm sure it's easy for you because you've been performing for so long. And I'm like, no, it's a really different space. Yeah. Like, it's really, really different.
1: But it would be easy for you to step, in, step into your performer role and stand... Sorry, I don't mean it would be... I can't say for you what would or wouldn't be easy. But say, if you were to stand in front of the room and be like, today I'm Ferg the performer and I'm going to perform this ceremony. That would be quite a mundane way of holding yeah. ceremony where...
0: Totally, actually, yeah. If
1: you're going to be actually authentic and stand in that space and bring the level of vulnerability that's needed for you to stand in the space and hold a ceremony while being connected to the people that are there that's I think that's the part that you can't really prepare for so much
0: which is actually interesting because I think as a performer you sort search for that as well yeah but when you're doing it as a career sometimes you can be like okay show six yes let's go I know where I I know I need to do this this and this before the show I need to be here for then well and it can get a bit mundane um, but you don't you never want it to. So actually that's a really good point for me that I never want ceremony to be just like, okay, let's just do yeah, the ABCs yeah. here. Like, no, it's always it has to be special, you know. Yeah. And I do think that with performance as well. But I have like when you're on tour and you're performing every night, sometimes it is just well, let's but that's the training to and, still be. There's make another people, side of it.
1: Cause I want to actually name the fact that I said the word to your detriment and I didn't balance it I meant it could be sometimes it can be a gift and sometimes it can be a detriment yes just in case that sounded like I was saying being a performer is a detriment no um, no but because the other side of that as well is sometimes in ceremony sometimes so we need to be we need to bring a degree of vulnerability in order to be really authentic in the space but we also need to bring our boundaries to and and our self-care because sometimes ceremonies are excruciatingly vulnerable mm-hmm. and we need to stay together at the same time to not go to pieces while still being emotionally available to that ceremony and bringing some degree of our vulnerability and our, and our, I mean, of course, we're bringing our empathy. Um, And within this organization, we will have heard us speaking about the training beforehand in previous episodes, but that's what our training is, is trying, is drawing out in our celebrants is the emotional availability
0: mm-hmm.
1: their ability to be emotionally available their ability to check in with themselves and actually f- sense how am i feeling at the moment what do i need in this moment in order to bring myself present and feel grounded and f- let, feel my emotions but let them flow rather than being overcome by them yeah. um, and very often a very common question in uh, pretty much every group of trainees that, that sit in the room here with us um, they'll always ask what about what if i cry during a ceremony What if I get overcome by emotion in a ceremony? Um, And my answer to that is always, I mean, it's just to burst the bubble of mystery around it. I get emotional in ceremonies all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, When somebody, when a couple walk up the aisle, one or the other or both, and their guests see them, or when they lay eyes on each other, the tenderness of that moment and the, the joy of that moment, depending on the context, is just so beautiful. It brings up such emotion. And likewise, when you stand beside a person in a funeral space and they are sharing the eulogy of their loved one and you just, you feel the great grief that they're sharing and you look out and you see all of the people that are so moved by the words they're hearing. And then, I mean, particularly children, when you see children in a funeral, it's, I mean, it would break your heart sometimes to just think about the huge loss of this person to the world but also what really moves me in a funeral ceremony is the courage that it takes for family members to stand up and speak about their loved one. Mm-hmm. When they've been spending the previous few days thinking, I don't know, can I do this? I don't know, am I gonna be overwhelmed? And somewhere they draw this courage and they stand up and speak. I find that so incredibly moving. And that's fine. I think when, when, when people see an authentic expression of emotion, gently, I mean, it would just be a tear falling, um, it helps other people to feel it's okay to show emotions or connect with their emotions. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the room is feeling some level, whatever the emotion is, some everybody in the room is generally feeling some level of a shared emotional experience. So that's why we want celebrants who are able, able to be with that emotion.
0: Um, even you saying that that was really beautiful. Um, you, ca- you captivated me there. <laughs> um, but even saying that I'm like, it could never be mundane. Yeah, in a ceremony because you are watching people live some of the most precious moments of their life and I think we might touch on this a little bit later but if you're living your life as a celebrant Mm -hmm. and investing in your life and in life then in those moments there's no way that you could ever be like checking the clock or being like Okay, we've done this next. Like, there's just no way because seeing those moments are just so special.
1: And I, I have something brewing that I want to say, and I don't even know if I have words for it. right? But there's what we're speaking about here is it is such a huge privilege to share this space with people, because what's happening, what we are witness to is a very deeply primal human experience that people go through. Um, and it's primal at the level that people will shed tears and they will sweat and they will not be wearing the clothes or the outward, experience, the outward um, expressions of identity that they very often will because they haven't had time or they're, they're mm-hmm. in such emotional trauma. But um, one thing that I, I'm always aware of, and I said this, we, this came up in a conversation before, um, one, we live such sanitized lives in many ways. Um, where we're so conscious of how we are in the world and how we present ourselves to the world, that we live in a time, and maybe this is the nursing background in me as well, where a lot of people aren't in situations where they actually experience at the primal nature of a human being. That when we're emotional, we sweat. And sometimes, like, we don't even mm. know, we don't need, we don't know the scent of ourselves anymore because we're so sanitized. When you're in a funeral space, in a, a space of death and dying, these human scents become a part of the ether. And I'm, I'm sure people are listening going, oh, I don't like it. Th- you know, this is uncomfortable and I don't like it. But this is part of life that is somehow beginning to fall away from our human experience. And when we're not, ex- when we're not used to being in these human spaces, we develop a fear of them. Somehow, you know, then they become scary because we haven't experienced them or our, our primal body, animal body says, oh, this is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, like a puppy going into the vet, you know, we, and, and that keeps us away from spaces where people are experiencing high emotion. And I would love a world where we breathe again and learn to just become a little bit more comfortable being in these spaces of heightened human emotion and human experience so that. We can be more present with each other and we can be less afraid of these unavoidable realities of life. Yeah. Oh, I went on a real tangent there. Ooh,
0: it's, <laughs> no, it's really interesting because I think it makes me think as the celebrant, you are showing up to facilitate this space and to help people in these positions where they might be feeling things that they're not aware what the feelings are or why they're feeling a particular way. Um, And I think it really, for me, leans into that every day. There's got to be so, you've got to have your practices every day that keeps you within life and that keeps you growing as a person. So therefore, when you arrive at ceremony, it's not just, okay, now I'm going to be in this really heightened emotional Uh, special place it's that you are like no I'm used to Mm -hmm. you know sitting into life yep and that's I think that's one of the big things of being an entheous celebrant is it being your life and taking those times for yourself in whatever way that suits you because again self-love is practiced completely different by everyone In what suits you like, you know, for me, sitting down and doing some journaling is great for me, for someone else that mightn't do anything. So what's the point of being like, OK, as a celebrant, like imagine you were like, OK, all celebrants must write your journal every morning, yeah, do no, your no, meditation, no, no. One size fits do all, all this. Never. <laughs> it doesn't work, no. but you've got to find your way. And I think as a entheous celebrant, which I try to keep with myself is every day I'm investing in myself. As a person living in life and trying to be less on my phone or on social media or doing the things that I know take me out of life because then that also takes me out of my role. Like when I'm doing a wedding, I try not to be on my phone or I try not to watch TV in the morning Mm -hmm. um, or anything. I try to do the little the nice rituals and that's literally a walk sometimes or I like to get to the venue a bit earlier and just, you know be around or go see like oh I might pop to a coffee shop a local coffee shop to just be in the energy of the space and I know it sounds like I'm being like yeah it sounds like I'm being all real hippy dippy but I'm (laughs) not it's really simple things it's just about making a choice so then you're present exactly for the ceremony and for those people and thinking about those people on the morning off
1: and if you're present to yourself as well when you're talking about going the everyday things like going about for a cup of coffee if you're actually present and behind your eyes, um, and I, I'm, a, I'm actually really mindful of using inclusive language around that as well, because some people aren't seeing. Um, but when you're present, and you go to order your coffee, you can have an, the interaction that changes the quality of the interaction with the person who is handing you your coffee. Yeah, because you're actually available for an interaction. And I say that without you don't need to be I don't mean be super friendly and you know, have a big chit chat. It's not that it's that you can just actually Acknowledge there's another human being in my, con- in my contact right now. You exchange a cup of coffee. Um, and it, there's something about that in the, for our celebrants, the willingness to witness life, like the mm. willingness to be there, the willingness to be present and not judge or not um, fix or not, you know, not be shocked, just a willingness to be, to accept, okay, this is human life and I'm a part of it and this is what I'm doing right now and whether that's a ceremony or ordering a coffee that we bring that quality of our own self-awareness and our willingness yeah to yeah. be to be real in the world
0: and i think that's why in i think it was the first episode i mentioned something and a gorgeous friend of mine was like i loved when you said this but i felt i'm actually doing her and her partner's wedding next year so it was it was really nice for her to kind of give me this feedback i felt that when I'm in this space all my gifts arrive and I feel all my gifts Amazing, you know and that kind of makes sense now talking through this episode because I'm like because doing ceremony being a celebrant in these areas is being present with life so of course everything that is aligned with myself comes into the different elements of it so I wonder if someone else with different gifts to myself also arrives in this space and feels like all my gifts are being used in this space, but they might be a set of different gifts. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I just
1: our people are are very different. We have a really diverse range of people. Some are would be considered quiet people in the world. Some people would be considered very visible people in the world. Um People are have drawn to different areas of interest. One thing, one kind of common denominator that we tend to have is a, a, a draw towards activism of some sort. Yeah. Um, you know, some kind of activism in the world where we're actually being agents for change in some way. Yes. Um, and that is another thing. It's the willingness to be the change that we want to see in the world. That's and a real core value. Yeah, yeah. And
0: that ties into living, going back to what the episode, anchoring the episode in what makes a celebrant. Yeah. An entheous celebrant, which is what we're yeah. specifically talking about today. That's part of it. Living every day in life, but also choosing to be the change in the world. Yeah. You know, and that's And that can important. be subtle
1: ways. People have different abilities, different ways of being in the world. It can be very subtle, but it's, yeah. that, it's that willingness to, to be some kind of an agent for change. And I'm a big advocate for The Revolution Begins at Home. Um, yes. You know, really and truly even if it's just us in our home, whoever, we've so much impact that we can have on the world, even through the groceries that we buy, you know, Mm -hmm. the power of boycotting different things that if it doesn't align with our values, that we will show up for our values and, exactly use products that are aligned
0: with our worldview and not those that don't. And And show up in a way that you can at that moment in time. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes it's too much. Yeah. And sometimes having the awareness to go, I'd like to show up better in that space and I just couldn't do it at that moment but I'm going to be aware of that and I'm going to be gentle with myself and the next time I get the opportunity I hopefully will twist it a little bit and show up in a because it's a process you know it's not easy to just be like this is my values this is what I stand for and then you're in a position where you have to stand up for something and then you just have to like be some idea in your head of what an activist would do, do it in your own way because it all comes back to giving to yourself, protecting yourself, looking after yourself so you can be better for the world. Yeah. You know? So I think that that's important because I think sometimes, you know, people can only show up the way they can. And sometimes you're not the change for that space. Absolutely. You know, maybe you're like, you might leave going, I wish I said something or I wish I did that or, and you're like, But maybe you couldn't do it in that moment and you're not the person to do it in that moment. But maybe you will be that person. And it's about being gentle but aware of I would like to do that. Something in me is saying I wish I did that. So how do I give back to myself so I'm prepared?
1: Yeah. And I mean there's a very gentle way of looking at that which is the decisions that we make in any moment we make with all of the information that's available to us in that moment. And sometimes there's... The second it takes to walk away, we get a bit more information that makes us feel like we could have done more the previous moment. Yeah. But if we could have, we would have. <laughs> Very and sometimes often. sometimes
0: you're not aware it, of um, elements in the room that are making you, you know, behave in the way that you're behaving yeah. or choosing to behave or whatever. And you have whatever. to be safe as well. And, and you, you yeah, have to be safe. Yeah. And maybe you walk away and you're like, do you know what? Actually, this is so Basic, but actually, the temperature of the room made me not very comfortable. So therefore, I wasn't comfortable to speak up. Yeah. I know that that's but a also silly... it means that
1: then, it means that okay, you didn't change the world in that moment, but it was a learning moment. You learned something about yourself. Yes, exactly. You know, everything is
0: learning. And then you're more just within that moment, and you might
1: need to learn it twelve more times. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's okay. We can go easy on ourselves for things as long as our intent. As long as we're aware of what's going on and our intent is aligned with our values, then that's okay. We have to keep forgiving ourselves as well.
0: And I think though, that's the important, one of the other important parts of being an entheous celebrant is the showing up in the world. Yeah. You know, just anchoring back to what we're trying to um, focus on in this episode is that change in the world, investing in life, investing in yourself, being present in celebrant um and i think another one and i'd love to get your take on this is being able to connect with people yes because i think that that's really important but people have different levels of how they connect with people and i think that ties into some celebrants might only do certain ceremonies because they feel that's where they connect best with people yeah now i know this ties into the training where we train to use our skills in areas that we mightn't have thought they Uh, would have flourished, but it's actually going, oh, I can actually use this in this space. But what do you think about connection as a Um, celebrant?
1: Yes, it comes again back to being available and present. So connection, the availability and the willingness to connect with people is really key because there's also a style of celebrant in the world, which to me looks very disconnected, Um, which is that kind of commercial performance style where you come in to do a job. I'm here to do the ceremony and walk away. Um, and I know that not many, peop- not many celebrants might describe themselves that way, but there are some. I mean, you can look at people's Facebook pages and that's what they're doing. They're like, I put on, th- this is the clothes I wear when I hold a ceremony um, and this is how I do it. <laughs> and there are some people who that's what they want. There are there's also a call for that. Some people don't Absolutely. want to connect with it, you know. Uh, so there is that. And uh, we don't want to make it sound like actually if you hire an eth celebrant to hold a ceremony with you that we are going to gaze into your soul and, you know, <laughs> um, get right into your life because that's not it. We're we're bounded people as well and we are people with self-awareness. Um, and there's
0: so, as we said, there's so many different personalities. Yeah, so you're yeah, you're picking the person for that you feel comfortable with and that you connect with. And if you don't connect with someone who's going to look deep into your soul, yeah. you're not going to choose that person <laughs> to be your celebrant.
1: Yeah. And actually, one of the things even in our ceremonies, in our training as well, is we I, like we, we teach people to be mindful of eye contact. Eye contact can feel very intrusive to yeah. a lot of people. Um, so, I mean, we we really are sensitive to that level um, of we work. With the people that are that are in front of us, with what it is that they want or need, but to bring it right back, up, I've gone on side there's a few different <laughs> tangents here. But you asked about connection, yes, um, and I think it is. It's about that willingness to connect, um, okay. at the level that another person wants to, and an ability to connect, I suppose, um, while also trusting that there is someone for everyone. Yes. So, but what, so I suppose that what I'm getting at there is we don't want people who really want this to be a job. Or, you know, this is what pays my mortgage and I go out and I do a job and I go home and I actually don't really care about the work. Or, you know, I don't really feel connected to what, to the impact I'm having on the world. We yeah. need people, and this brings me along on a, on a subject as well about, you know, we need people to be able, we need our celebrants to be able to live in the world comfortably, to look after themselves, to have a, to pay their mortgage and have a car and you know, have all those things to keep them safe and well in the world while while earning that through the work that they do with yes. care and attention and love i'm going to say love um in all the gentle ways that love can exhibit in the world but that that's what they bring it's a it's a truth it's an authenticity and it's a wholehearted way of being in the world
0: mhm totally <laughs> Oh, I know. I, get all ex-
1: I find myself—I'm like—sit right up in the chair when I'm getting all excited about these subjects.
0: <laughs> it is no, it is so amazing. But one thing I was thinking about with the—that sounded really like passive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing, but um, I didn't mean it like that. That's okay. Um, but one of the things is l- the willingness to connect, and what I've learned is, as the celebrant, you're going into people's space. Yeah. So also connecting on their level, like I love. A hug, yeah. I love a hug, and I love that moment when, um, it's mostly for me at this point. It's been the bride who arrives at the top of the aisle, and I get tugger, and it always feels like a special moment between me and them. And whereas I've had a special moment with, um, in my case, the groom who's been standing, kind of there. So, but not ever. I'm always. I always. Clock myself to be like, feel if the hug is right. Yeah, consent. because not everyone loves hugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, as my housemate Chana will <laughs> tell you all, because I'm always like, Can we have a hug? No. Um, <laughs> but it is that moment of like, I want that moment because that's how I connect. But I always take the moment to go, Hold on, they mightn't want yeah. to have a moment. And I always give the space for them, obviously, to greet their partner first and greet their family first and all. But I like that moment of having a little hug because I really care about the people that I'm in ceremony with. But at the same time, if I feel like, no, a hug's not, not on the cards because that's not... What they need yeah. at this moment or want this moment. Yeah, because
1: I certainly I that wouldn't be my style yeah. at all. But that doesn't the, the, the thing is, it doesn't imp- impact on the level of connection. No, it's not just at different all. people having their own style. And the <laughs> couples that have chosen you have chosen you for who you are. Yeah. Um likewise for me, so I think that's the really the really the real beauty of it is that they'll have a sense of your vibe. We're very much always by consent. <laughs> Everything happens by consent.
0: hundred um, percent. And we're not even... And uh, that goes in to life as well. Yeah, in, in every know? possible way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you're talking about it has been brides for you so far. Yes. Um, and yeah, who
0: knows? Just but, to be conscious of that because... Yeah, like, that's
1: not fair using heteronormative language. No, sure. no, no, no.
0: I Because I haven't mm. done any queer weddings yet. I'm doing my first in July, which obviously I'm so ah. excited about because that was... A big thing for me to come and do this, and it just so happens that all my couples have been bride, a bride, and a groom. Yeah, and it's been amazing. Like, yeah, you know, I love that, <laughs> and I love the fashion <laughs> as July, well. I'm July dying is flying to see up. the dress. July's fine up. Oh, we're we're prepped, it's one of my um best friends, yeah, So uh, it's even nice that like I feel like I'm doing my first queer wedding in a space surrounded by my friends. And surrounded by two people whose relationship I've seen grown since day one. So it feels completely right. So I'm like, ah, this is meant to be the first queer wedding Ah. I'm I'm doing. Um, But I want, like, that's a space I definitely want to be in. Because I am a queer person. And I celebrate queer love. And I have had queer love. You know, so it's definitely somewhere. But it feels right Mm. that this is maybe the first one um, that I'm doing. First of many, Ferg. Yeah, I hope so. I'm sure. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like kind of, do you have anything else to add around what makes an entheous celebrant? So
1: there's one other thing actually that was coming to the back of my mind. Um, and I don't mean this now to sound silly, but our logo, to me, our logo represents so much of, um, okay. of what we are actually, of what we're looking for in people and in celebrants and in all that. Our logo is a labyrinth. Um, and at the center of it, there's a little spark Mm-hmm. Um, and entheos, the name entheos, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's, the Greek, it's a Greek word and it's the origin of the word enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It means um, enthusiasm, which means inspired from within. Technically means inspired by the God within, but in this organization we have a little extra O in brackets, so God or good, whichever whichever resonates with you. But all of our celebrants, if we are all connected with that sense of entheos in our lives, that we. Are connected to that good within us Mm -hmm. so that we can see it in other people so that we can see the good in other people that is a real real key for me and it's a touchstone it has been a touchstone for me throughout my life even though I hadn't consciously recognized that because when you can believe in the good in yourself and that can be a struggle in itself sometimes but when you can believe in that and be aware of it you are more available to see the good or the God, or whatever your understanding is, in another person. And to me, that's what the connection is about. It's about seeing that spark in me. I mean, that's what namaste means. The light in me recognizes the light in you, or the love, or whatever the word is. Um, When the little spark in me can recognize the little spark in somebody else, to me, that's enough for the connection. It doesn't need to be any more Mm. explicit, explicit or overt than that. And sometimes in the work that we do in the world, it can be sometimes a real struggle to see the good in another person or to find a connection, to find somehow that you can connect. Um, Particularly with funerals as well sometimes, because you don't know who, like with a wedding couple, you will generally, you will have met them long in advance of of a ceremony. You'll have a chance to get to know them. With funerals, very often you don't know who the family is until you literally meet them and you're going to hold a ceremony for them. And there's all sorts of different family dynamics and you're dealing with more than one person and there can be a lot going on. And sometimes it can be tricky. There can be there can be one or two people that you go, oh, these people are tricky people. Um, you know that, and it, that's because there's heightened emotion happening. Um, and just staying connected to that sense that, and I I truly believe it. Even and I know we can extrapolate this to horrendous cases and people that we you know we see and hear of in the world, but somehow somewhere there has to I believe there has to be. A tiny flicker of potential for good, even. Or potential for... And good, I don't even know what good is.
0: I know, it's one of the biggest questions. I don't even I've know what have genuinely means. asked myself, I'd say for the last 10 years, mm. of actually being like, is everyone... I like the idea of you saying potential to be good. Does everyone have the potential to be good? Are people... Are there some people who are born... With these terms. Narcissist or toxic. Like is it just in them? I don't believe so. Like I think it comes from experience. Does or, that make them bad? You know. Th- does that make them really bad? really big existential questions. I know. But it's it's always that thing of going. I always like to go. That person has acted that way. Which might have hurt me. But actually. It's because of a whole. Other thing that has nothing. To, yeah. Not that it doesn't necessarily have something to do with me. But like. As in they're not a bad person because they've acted badly. But it's something like I've really, you know, you can struggle with where you're like, can people be born evil, bad, whatever word we want to use. And because you hear of families who are beautiful families and then there's this person who has acted really badly. Or is it circumstance or is it experience or is it stuff that we can, we don't even know about, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not even getting and into see, it. I am a psychotherapist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and
1: this is part of why, I suppose, having sat in front of people and again, clients where the person comes in and you, I mean, because this is a, this is a human authentic reaction. Sometimes a person comes in and you go, oh, I'm not resonating with this person. Um, and you have to find a way of working with this person even if the way of working with this person is that you work to a close where they go to work with somebody else you know um, but you know you don't outwardly reject a person and somehow even for that one hour of the first hour that they come to sit in the chair you have to find a way of working now and I say uh, of course my mind goes so fast that even when I'm talking about this also there are times when I've sat in a room w- with a client who's come in and I felt unsafe you know okay. even situations as, as simple as that and how to manage that um, but we work as well in a trauma-informed way. And when we're, if we want to work in a trauma-informed way, we have to be firstly really boundaried, but also really mindful of ways to work in a safe and boundaried way where we can not reject people. Um, Yes. Or, or, you know, not have them experience rejection through how we interact with them. Um, And I mean, even as I'm saying this, I'm aware of just how big it is what we're talking about. But, um that little, keeping the eye on that little spark for good. They're, and they I'm all, so I, I want to say about 10 things at the same time I as I'm saying know. this. Right? <laughs> but like, as we're keeping an eye on that little spark for good, we also need to not be seduced by it because that can be unsafe. And that's how sometimes terrible things happen. Yes. Um, because sometimes our desire to see the good in somebody or to think the, be- the higher, better version of them is what facilitates people to do terrible things and become those awful, you know. So it, there's a cycle and a circle and there's all sorts of things going on. So number one is always, I believe, trusting your gut instinct and mm-hmm. keeping yourself safe. And I have learned that, that lesson um, as a person who was conditioned, as so many children are, particularly little girls, to be good and to obey the rules and to, um, to second guess yourself always at the expense of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it took me a long time to even be impolite to somebody. Now I'm actually quite impolite when, <laughs> when I want to be. be. You know, when I feel like I need to be. If I need to yeah. state a boundary or, or do whatever to actually... But I think
0: yeah. that keeping yourself safe also ties into um, what makes an Anthea celebrant. Because I think yeah. all our celebrants want to make people feel safe yeah. within ceremony, but also within, you know, meeting the couple beforehand you know making sure that they know that we want to create the ceremony that they want and that we want to create the space that they want and yeah. that they'll feel safe in so i think yeah. that that also ties in with that as well yeah you know yeah
1: we're always thinking ahead and feeling ahead yes. into how is this going to feel because even sometimes when you might say something as simple as well can we do this piece of music there and we or this reading or whatever we will feel into how will that feel in the ceremony? Will it feel clunky? Will it disrupt the flow? Mm. Um, practical things like that, as well as the emotional safety of people where they're, where they're just maybe not even consciously aware of the level of vulnerability that they're feeling, but that can lead people to feel unsafe. Yeah. Um, so we can help manage that in terms of helping them either to feel okay with the level of, with a with degree of vulnerability or else or else to help them to, um, feel bolstered in that we don't need to do the level of vulner- vulnerability that maybe they're fearing they're going to have to yeah. do but ceremonies are vulnerable yes and especially for weddings two people are standing there in front of all of their gathered friends and family and declaring their love and commitment to one another that in itself is vulnerable <laughs>
0: it's huge <laughs> it's so huge when yeah. you say it, you're like oh huh. yeah okay yeah Let's I think we can just dive left, right, center, all over the space. And I definitely think that like this podcast is going to continue on. Um, you know, we're just gonna roll on. We'll
1: have an episode of Criminal Minds, I think. Yeah. Coming out of what we're discussing today. But I think
0: it'll these things are gonna come up within other topics because everything weaves into each other. But what we did want to finish this episode. With is we're moving into Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the LGBTQ plus community are obviously very important to Entheus. Yeah. So we have been thinking how can we make um this podcast space um an important one for Pride Month. We obviously aren't just celebrating it for Pride, we will be looking at LGBT yeah. rights throughout the podcast, as well as other people's yeah. rights. But we have decided for Pride Month to do three special episodes on Die With Pride, which we have mentioned before. So I think the best thing to do is if you give a little brief intro now to Die With Pride and for the three episodes in June, I think one might spill over into July. um, We're going to be chatting to people about Die With Pride and just letting people know a little bit more what it's about do you want to give a little intro yes. so di- sneak peek
1: <laughs> died with pride is um i suppose we can call it now a subdivision of entheos or um a part that we work with because died of pride was founded by a family member of mine who is a member of the queer community and he through his life had attended so many ceremonies of friends and colleagues of his who were members of the LGBTQ plus community who had died and were not being memorialized in a way that resonated with the life that they lived. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly this was coming up through the years with people who died of HIV and AIDS or suicide or all the various, of course, ways that people can die. But within the LGBTQ plus community, the rate of early death is higher. I don't, I can't give a statistic on it, but, but that it is higher. Um, and, and, how jarring it is when that person's community gather, their chosen family gather along with their biological family and find that there's this um, disconnect between the truth of who that person that they knew was versus who their family memorializes them as. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say this without going into shaming or anything like that, but um, but and sometimes it's be, sometimes it's through a genuine not understanding or not knowing. And sometimes it's through a denial of of that person. And, and some, like sometimes it is homophobia. Um, so, Dyder Pride is led by LGBTQ plus celebrants for LGBTQ plus people. And it, it's, the intention is to support families to memorialize their loved one in a way that was real and authentic to them. And that does memorial their li- memorialize their lives in a way that... Um, is authentic and so that as well anybody that maybe wants to plan their funeral in advance or Mm -hmm. we we want to open conversations about death and dying and the funeral the landscape of funerals can be like all ceremony can be very heteronormative yeah and quite you know traditional so we want to open that up and shake it up as much as we can and um not as much as we can but shake it up a little and and open it up to the lgbtq plus community so that so that there's ownership Mm -hmm. And so that we can have these conversations about death and dying and funerals and, yeah, so that we can breathe, ironically, I know to say this, but breathe new life into a whole world of funerals that, yeah, yeah, that are important and precious and it's needed.
0: Yeah. So, and what we're going to be exploring in the three episodes is maybe some of those um, areas that queer people pass on, like suicide, HIV, obviously HIV you know, if go listen to Pause Vibes, a great yeah. podcast. Like you can live a healthy, happy life. Like it's not a death sentence. Yeah, yeah, but we will now. maybe be looking back at the eighties, nineties, and when things were. There's a
1: legacy of, of, a legacy of what went before, and and how that yes. impacted on the funeral landscape. Yeah. Um, going forward, now into into yeah, a time when it's amazing, we do have such amazing treatments. Oh, it's incredible! Um, and, and healthcare, and and, it needs, to and be, it needs to be better.
0: Yeah, it needs to be. <laughs> You know, people need to take note of it and not live in a stigma that is, you know, old. Um, And I definitely would advise going to listen to Paz Vibes, which is Robbie Lawler and Veda Lady, and they just give you all the information. Veda Lady's
1: song. Oh my God, it's amazing. But Um, we're
0: going to explore those kind of little topics while we're talking about Die with Pride. And also
1: to say that we're doing this as well because... I said um,
0: little topics and I don't like that. I mean topics.
1: Actually, good point. Yeah, yeah, nice not Nice call little. on it. Oh, yeah, um, and I'm conscious, talking about in this capacity as well, as a cishet woman married to a man, um, I want to leverage any privileges that I have to create a space, to help create a space for people to step into this. Mm-hmm. And also that Entheos as an organization, when it comes to Pride, I mean, as you mentioned, Ferg, this is definitely not just for the month of June. This is no. This is throughout every fiber of our organization. But also that for us, Pride Month is is for is for having the difficult conversations. It's for addressing the impact that yes. that um, homophobia has on the society that we live in, even in the most subtle ways, and that we want to talk about the impact that if we don't address this, like and and when we don't address this, people die or pe- it has a serious. Detrimental effect on, on real people's lives. So, we want to be really real about what, what Pride really does mean and what Pride is mm-hmm. about. And it is not a fancy rainbow. And I've got, I don't mean to be preaching to the converted. But, um, but for anybody listening who tends to think about Pride as a load of rainbows and happy people and flamboyant celebration, yes, it is that, but it is, it is a revolution and it is an activist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part that we, and I think as well as an organization that has a lot of cis het people in it. We need to be proper allies, not rainbow flag allies. We need to be proper allies who will get out there and who will go to the edge that we, as far as we can possibly go in support and protection of our queer siblings and colleagues yeah. and everybody.
0: Yeah. And I think we are going to invite guests on for those three episodes. And I think even as a queer person sitting here, really looking forward to having those conversations Definitely uncomfortable because I'm so aware of my language. Yeah, same. <laughs> and that's why we're gonna bring in people who, when we're exploring a certain topic, that they will definitely be the people who will articulate it in the way it needs to be articulated for a platform like this. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, so I think we'll leave that one there.
1: I wanna say before you do, because I'm conscious just to we keep calling ourselves on what we're saying as we're going. I and I think that might be helpful for people to actually hear us call ourselves on what we're saying. Because I, as we were speaking, I realized, yeah, actually, maybe it is. I'd, I want to actually speak to people who are experts on this about, are we adding to the stigma of HIV and, and AIDS when we talk about it in the context of funerals nowadays, when actually yeah. healthcare has come on so much and we want to destigmatize it. So maybe we need to remove that from that conversation, even though that was a part of the... I know it was a part of Tony's inspiration for Diedra Pride was having watched people in the past go through funerals related to to HIV and AIDS, but actually nowadays for funerals going forward for Diedra Pride, hopefully that would be a very, very small percentage. Um, And yeah, it's a conversation that we'll have. Yeah. There's homework for us.
0: There is homework. Important homework.
1: Important homework. And we always want to do our homework on as much as we possibly can.
0: Yes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for... That was it. We went to all sorts of places. That know, was a big one.
0: I know. It's funny. I, I have like a... It's funny when you start talking about a, a topic that you want to start... Like you want to discuss, but it's definitely something that like you want to articulate right. Yeah. And exactly. it leaves it yeah. leaves a funny feeling when you're like,
1: oh, did we go too far yeah. before we... But we are committed to... Yeah. Doing what we can to...
0: Exactly. To correct that. Um, Please review rate subscribe um because it does share yeah it does just help people you know kind of if they want to listen to certain conversations like this around ceremony and life yeah that um and the
1: transpersonal
0: yeah that they can (laughs) that they can join us so um rating reviewing subscribing it it is really helpful so if you can that would be amazing and thank you so much we love you yes